0: Thank you for listening to this audio message from Christ Fellowship Leesville. We exist to make disciples for the glory of Jesus. We pray God uses this message to help you grow in your walk with Christ. To learn more about Christ Fellowship, please visit us online at christfellowshipnc.org. Well, if you would be turning in your copy of God's Word to Hebrews chapter 13, we'll be looking at verse 17, Hebrews 13, 17. And as you are turning there, we invite our children, any uh, children who may be participating in our children's class, you can make your way to the back there and our volunteers will be there to greet you and to instruct you in God's Word in that context this morning, uh, just there in the back corner in that room. Uh, Again, as I mentioned this morning, we are in Hebrews chapter 13, continuing to make our way through this uh, letter uh, to the Hebrews, uh, Lord willing, we will be finishing uh, Hebrews 13 next week, or the book of Hebrews uh, next week. Uh, It's been a long journey through this book, and God's been good to us and has taught us much, so I look forward to wrapping this up together with you next week. But for this morning, we are on just one verse verse 17. So let me read that for us this morning and then we will take time to pray and to ask for the Lord's help. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17. Obey your leaders and submit to them for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning for that would be of no advantage to you. Let's pray together uh, once more and ask for the Lord's help as we come before the truth of his word. Father, once more, we just want to pause. We can never take enough time to say thank you for your redeeming work in Jesus Christ. Thank you for the new mercies you've poured out on us. Thank you for the gift of coming together this morning to gather as your people under the truth of your word. It is a precious gift from you. And so, Father, as we do every week, we once more pray for your help. Father, particularly for a verse like this, it can be just wrought with landmines and misunderstanding, and uh, there's so much even culturally, I think, that's built into us that resists a verse like this. And so, Father, I just pray that you would give us hearts ready to receive what you have to say to us, that you would bring conviction to all of us, that you would challenge each of us. And help us to see how a verse like this, a command like this, is good for us. It's good for our growth in Christ, for our pursuit of maturity, for as Hebrews has called us to, for our endurance uh, in faith. And so, Father, I just pray that you would be present with us. We're thankful for your spirit that you have sent to dwell in us. And we pray that your spirit would be at work in us this morning through the truth of your word as it is proclaimed over us. Father, I pray that you would guard my lips, allow me to only speak what is true of you and true of your word, and I pray that you would lead all of us into truth. And we pray all this in the glorious, majestic, and worthy name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, even though we're only looking at one verse this morning, I do want to Uh, take some time before we get into the details to just set the table a bit for us as we move into this verse. This is one of those passages that I think, one of those verses that just requires a little bit of work on the front end before we dive in and feast on God's word. So I just want to say that because the introduction, kind of getting into the verse, into the details will be a little bit longer than normal Also, I just want to answer the question that's probably burning on some of your heads. Uh, Why this on Mother's Day? Right? It's an odd verse. Why this on Mother's Day? Well, I just want to say in general, in general, unless it's a Christian holiday like Christmas where we are celebrating the birth of Christ or Easter where we are celebrating the resurrection of Christ, in general, we as elders just prefer to keep moving through the particular book that we're in. Just keep hearing from God where we are, trusting him to speak to us with where he has us. So that's the ultimate reason why we're on this verse on Mother's Day. But even having said that, the theme of Hebrews is uh, endurance, right? Enduring faithfully. And let's be honest, Much of being a mother is enduring, right? There's endurance that has to happen. And and there's truth here for mothers as they seek to faithfully endure in the role that God has given them. And they need this verse as much as any of us to faithfully carry out the role that God has given them. So this applies to mothers as much as it does to anyone else on this day and what God, God is calling us to. So having said that, uh, on any Sunday, whether it's Mother's Day or not, uh, this can be a difficult passage to preach because I stand before you as one of the leaders to which it's referring, and it's one of the leaders that God is calling you to to use the words of Scripture obey and submit to. Let's just let's just admit that's awkward, right? let's just say that. Uh, And furthermore, I know it could be even more suspicious because as we've moved through Hebrews, we've typically done big chunks of passages and we're just going to spend an entire Sunday on this one verse. Is there some kind of, you know, ulterior motive that I have as I stand before you? And of course, Lord willing, I hope that that's not the case. So I just want to be upfront and acknowledge what could be the perceived awkwardness of a passage like this. And at the same time, because of that, I just want to take some time to address why that awkwardness should not keep us from meditating over this verse together, anyway. So just let me give you uh, four specific reasons. Well, I have all the confidence in the world to preach this verse this morning, regardless of how awkward it may seem. All right, number one, I'm confident because these words aren't mine. It's not my idea. This isn't what I am saying to you this morning. This is what God is saying to us this morning And so I stand before you with every confidence to proclaim what the scriptures say as the inerrant word of God, because my goal is simple and straightforward. I want us to hear what God has said and to seek to faithfully apply it to our church. And so I'm not at all ashamed to say what God has said. So we're just going to rest in that, that these are God's words and not mine or any of the other elders of this church. Second, we generally practice sequential expository preaching in this church. That's just a fancy way of saying that the regular diet of our preaching is to work our way through a book of the Bible, verse by verse, passage by passage. And this is just what's next. Right? So one of the advantages to doing expository preaching is that we can't avoid hard passages. When we come to them, we have to deal with them. And so, you know, I'll, I'll be honest, right? If, if we didn't do that, if we didn't practice sequential expository preaching, I as a pastor would be very hesitant to just out of nowhere, randomly one Sunday, pick this verse to preach on. Because you would probably think, why is he saying this to us? Is something going on and he's trying, like it would seem manipulative or it could seem manipulative, but... I pray that you see that it's just what's next, and we avoid any of that suspicion that could arise. So that's reason number two. This is what we do. We move through the Bible, and here we are. Third, in this church, we believe that the uh, uh, practice of church governance is to have a plurality of elders. In other words, we believe that the Bible Teaches that a local church should be led by more than one man, by more than one pastor. We, you, we understand pastor and elder to be the same office. And so in this church, we have four elders myself and three other men. We believe that a church should be led by a plurality of qualified pastors, elders, who are the leaders of the church. So that means I'm not calling you to obey and submit to me alone. God's word is calling you to obey and submit to your elders, your leaders, a plurality of them, not just me by myself. Furthermore, this verse also applies to me. I'm being called this morning to obey and to submit to the other three elders. They are my pastors. And I'm under the authority of God's word to do that just as you are. And so I stand with you, needing to hear from God this morning, needing to be challenged and convicted and called to obey and to submit to my pastors. And then fourth, or finally, pastors and elders are in Scripture clearly called to be the teachers of God's church. So if we refuse to teach on passages like this that call you to obey and submit to pastors and elders, then who's going to do it? And so we are the teachers of the church. We are the ones God is tasked with that spiritual oversight and responsibility. So therefore, here we are in verse 17, and we are going to dive in together. So for all these reasons... We are not going to shrink back from declaring to you the whole counsel of God's word, including Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17. Now, beyond even all of that, I want you to know that the context in which we find this verse shows us that this is a crucial issue for us to deal with. I just want to remind us that the whole theme of the book of Hebrews, right? The whole theme has been about exalting Christ by enduring together. That's what we're being called to do. And if we rip this verse out of its context, it would still bear the weight that it bears. It's still a weighty verse, but we would not feel the full weight and significance of what verse 17 is saying to us, right? Verse 17 is is coming to the end of a book that's been all about our need to not throw away our confidence, our need to endure faithfully to the end, keeping our eyes fixed on Christ. And And God, through the author of Hebrews, is saying to us, if we're going to do that well, then we need to be willing to obey our leaders and submit to them because they are tasked with keeping watch over our souls. So there's a weight because of the context of this book that verse 17 has that we need to be reminded of this morning. God cares deeply about the health of the local church for the sake of our endurance. And the way a church relates to its leaders is a central part of that. We can't disconnect it from the call to endurance that God has placed on our lives. This command is in the context of a call for us to remain steadfast, to not give up on the glorious Christ that we've been learning about Throughout this book, it is a call for us to faithfully endure together as God's people in a local church. Therefore, we need to take time to meditate over this one verse. Because there are immense, numerous cultural pressures that, are, that build in a resistance to a verse like this. And we just need to acknowledge that. We need to acknowledge the culture that we swim in that can influence us. Look, we live in an individualistic age that is suspicious of all forms of authority. And so there's a built-in suspicion and resistance to authority over our lives. In fact, the culture... Calls to us. We talked about this in last week's sermon that, that we want to center authority in our own passions and our own desires and our own will, that we look inward for authority. And here, God is calling us to look outward for spiritual authority, to look to men who have been placed over our lives to keep watch over our souls. And I just want to continue to be honest, to complicate matters even more. There have been a number of pastors who have abused their authority. They've created unhealthy cultures of church uh, authority. And because of that, it's created an environment of suspicion and cynicism about spiritual authority and pastors in the local church. And that's a problem. And it makes us resistant to trust the good and healthy God-given gift of spiritual authority that he wants uh, pastors of his church to have. And on top of this, we also, I think in the South in particular, but though I think it's true in many traditional American churches, you have many traditional American churches that have ultimately minimized The authority, the spiritual authority that pastors, that elders ought to have in the church. Those churches have had multiple centers of power trying to exert spiritual authority over God's people. So for example, some traditional churches will have uh, the the lead pastor, pastoral staff as one center of spiritual authority. They'll have a a board of some kind. Sometimes it's a deacon board or other board in the church that's another center of spiritual authority. And what happens is there's competing powers and there's suspicion and there's doubts about motivations and there's a a competition for who should be listened to and who should be heeded. And it creates an unhealthy culture in a church because that's not how God designed it. He designed it He designed the church to be led by a plurality of elders for that spiritual authority to rest with them. Not that they're above accountability. And we will get into that as we progress through the sermon. So, so... Because of that though, because of that history of these powers and unhealthy uh, centers of power in a church, what's happened is pastors often get disillusioned and frustrated and there's tension that builds up. And so you have a revolving door like every three to five years, it's a new guy because things get frustrated, things fall apart, they move on, the next guy comes in. And what our desire in this church is, is to have a healthy environment Of a plurality of leaders that consistently, for the long term, care for your souls. That's what we want. That's what we desire. So, having said all of that, I want you to know that I believe we are blessed beyond measure in this church that those cultural pressures and unhealthy practices have not taken root. I want you to hear that from me and from the other elders this morning. We believe that you all have placed significant trust in the elders of this church. And I want you to know that, and I want you to know that we sense that and feel that, and that we experience that. I sense a desire already present in this church among you all to live out Hebrews 13:17. You all are consistent in your encouragement to us as your elders. You're consistent in your desire to submit to our spiritual authority and leadership. And even when there are concerns or disagreements, you all come to us with humility and love and respect and voice those things. And we want you to know how much we appreciate that and this, uh, how much we sense this spirit among you all as God's people. So I, I just want to be clear this morning that my objective is not to preach this verse to you this morning as a corrective. Now, I have been in churches where, I'm just going to be honest, out of seminary, I preached this verse as a corrective. I was an associate pastor, the lead pastor was transitioning away, we were preparing for the next person to come in, and the church needed to hear this verse as a corrective. But that's not what I sense for us as God's people this morning. So I don't come to you out of a burning desire or feeling the need to correct you this morning because you haven't been doing this well. And I think it's important that you know that because I truly believe that the spirit of this church towards its leaders is a precious gift to us from God that we should protect at all costs. So I don't preach to correct, but I preach to help us see clearly why we must work diligently to preserve this precious gift that God has given us. This culture that he has given us and why it's vital and important for the sake of your souls, for the glory of Christ and for the good of his church. So that's my heart this morning. I pray that's my heart this morning. And so with the table set, with all of that being said, Let's let's dive in and let's feast on Hebrews 13, 17 this morning and hear what God has to say to us. And here's ultimately what Hebrews 13, 17, verse 17 is saying to us. Submission to faithful pastoral leadership is needed for the endurance of God's people. Submission to faithful pastoral leadership is needed for the endurance of God's people. So I simply wanna let verse 17 tell us what is needed for us to have a healthy church where we can faithfully endure together. What is needed so that we can have a healthy church where we can endure together. So here's, here's the three things that we need that verse 17 points out to us. Number one, a healthy church requires faithful pastors. A healthy church requires faithful pastors. Number two, a healthy church requires submissive people. And number three, a healthy church requires joyful pastors. A healthy church requires faithful pastors, submissive people, and joyful pastors. So number one, a healthy church requires faithful pastors. Look there with me again at verse 17. And I'm starting in the middle of the verse because I think that's where we, where we need to start. Verse 17 is saying, Obey your leaders and submit to them, but, but why? For they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Now there are two distinct things, though clearly connected, stated in this verse, in this uh, section of this verse. Number one, your pastors, your elders have a responsibility to keep watch over your souls. Secondly, your elders, your pastors are one day going to have to stand before the living God and give an account for how well we did that. That's a weighty reality for the pastors and elders of this church. Therefore, a faithful pastor is someone who sees his primary duty as helping you endure faithfully to the end. Their utmost concern for you should be about the eternal state of your soul. So, I hope we can see the connection between the whole theme of the book of Hebrews, right? It's been about exalting Christ by enduring together, about faithfully enduring. That's what we want. We want you to endure. I mean, it's in our mission statement, right? We do all of this so that we may present all mature in Christ. That's the end goal. By God's grace, that's what we want to see happen in your life. We want to keep watch over your souls. We want you to endure faithfully to the end. And when it says that that our task is to keep watch over your souls, that, that phrase, keep watch, is used like three other times in the New Testament. And it can be translated to say things like to stay awake or to keep alert. That, that our job as faithful pastors is to, to stay awake, to be alert, to be on guard for the sake of your souls, to not fall asleep at the will, but to continually, that this, this is in the present tense, we are to continually stay awake and be alert, keeping watch over your souls that you may endure faithfully to the end. We are to be on high alert for the sake of God's people. God gives a similar warning to Ezekiel in the Old Testament in Ezekiel chapter 33. This is what he says to Ezekiel in chapter 33, verses 7 through 9. So you, son of man, I have made a watchman for the house of Israel. Whenever you hear a word from my mouth, you shall give them a warning from me. If I say to the wicked, O wicked one, you shall surely die, and you do not speak to warn the wicked to turn from his way, that wicked person shall die in his iniquity, but his blood I will require at your hand. But if you warn the wicked to turn from his way, and he does not turn from his way, that person shall die in his iniquity, but you will have delivered your soul. That's the responsibility that we bear to keep watch over your souls. We must, as your elders, be willing to speak the truth of God's word to you on a consistent basis. We must be willing to proclaim the full counsel of God's word and not pull back from it in the slightest. We must say to you what God has said to us And if we do not do so, we will be held accountable for what we did not teach you, what we did not warn you about, whether it was from cowardice or laziness, we will be held accountable for that. Therefore, a faithful pastor, faithful elders, are men who continually point God's people to the truth of God's word over their own opinions. They are people who seek to keep the gaze of God's people on Christ and not on himself. Just as John the Baptist proclaimed, Christ must increase, I must decrease. A faithful pastor will continually point people to the good news of the gospel. He will week in and week out, remind them that their hope is not in themselves, but in Christ alone. The hope of being righteous before God at the judgment seat is not in your good works, but it's in the righteous, perfect, sinless life of Jesus Christ that he freely gives to you when you trust in him. It's to remind you that your hope of forgiveness is not in anything that you can do, but in the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross where he bore God's wrath in your place that you might be redeemed and delivered from the domain of darkness and transferred to the kingdom of his beloved son. It's the pastor who continually remind you that Jesus Christ is your living hope, that he defeated death, that he rose from the grave, and that you will one day join him in that powerful resurrection, and you will have glorified bodies for all eternity in the new heavens and the new earth, rejoicing in his presence forevermore. Therefore, a faithful pastor will also defend and protect the flock from false teaching keeping you from being led astray from anyone who wants to point your eyes off of Christ. And we must challenge you to live as new creations of Christ, exuding holiness and Christ-likeness, confessing your sins before God and pursuing holiness as an adopted, transformed child of God. What an overwhelming weight this is for me, for Chris, for Floyd, and Nathaniel. I want you to know by God's grace that we feel the weight of this. We need to feel it more, right? We need to feel it even more than we do. But our desire is to feel the weight of this and to Live this out. It's why every elders meeting, the very first thing on the agenda is for us to talk about what's happening in the lives of the members of this church, to talk about how we can be praying for you, how we can be caring for your souls. It's why we continually keep printed off a list of, of the members of this church that we have that I keep in my Bible so I can be reminded of how to uh, pray for you, to be, to be reminded on a daily basis to bring you before the Lord in prayer. We bear this responsibility. We will one day, I, Chris, Floyd, and Nathaniel, one day will stand before the living God and we will have to give an account for how we kept watch over your souls. That is a humbling, sobering reality. And that's why, Lord willing, when we... Uh, install elders in the future of this church, that selection process, that affirmation process should always be a sobering and patient process. When we affirm someone to be an elder, when we bring them forward, we're not mainly saying that they're a good leader or a charismatic personality or a gifted businessman. No, we're saying that we see in them gifts and an equipping by God to be alert And awake and on watch for the souls of God's people. That's what we want. That's what we desire. So a healthy church needs faithful pastors. But of course it matters little how faithful a pastor is if God's people aren't willing to trust them and to follow them and to hear them. And so a healthy church number two also requires submissive people. A healthy church requires submissive people. Look there again at the first phrase of verse 17. It's just the first seven words, at least in the English Standard Version, seven words. Obey your leaders and submit to them. Obey your leaders and submit to them. The word for obey here carries a sense of have trust in, have, have confidence in. Like in other words, yes, Yes, obey them, but but trust them. Develop a trust in the men that God has given to lead you and to keep watch over your souls. In other words, obey them and submit to them, not because you have to, not because you must, but because they are trustworthy men. Because you can trust them to keep watch over your soul. And as you obey them as trustworthy leaders, you're called to submit to their leadership. And Both of these are are clear commands in the original language. They are in the present tense, meaning this is to be an ongoing habit of our lives. An ongoing habit of our lives is that we are to continually be pursuing and seeking to obey those that God has placed as spiritual authority in our lives, to continually be seeking to submit to their spiritual leadership and authority over our lives. Notice also that it says, obey your leaders. To submit to them. Now, the reason I point that out is because we live in a in a current time, in a modern time, where you can go listen to literally hundreds of pastors, and that is not bad to do, by the way. They're good and helpful men that I listen to, that I benefit from, that I'm sure you listen to and you benefit from. But Hebrews thirteen seventeen is not about those men. This is a command for the local church. This is a command for those that God has called to covenant together in a local church. And he's calling you to obey and to submit to those leaders in that local church that God has given the authority to keep watch over your souls. Now, in many ways, this is a simple command to understand, right? Obey your leaders and submit to them. Yet, we all know that it can be a very difficult command to apply consistently in a faithful way because, as I mentioned earlier, pastors can use this in manipulative, deceptive uh, domineering unhealthy ways and can demand obedience in ways that should not be demanded. They can almost act like dictators of the local church. Why well, I said it, Hebrews 13:17 says, "You got to do it, no questions asked." In fact, often in the in the churches who have that culture, uh, there's this kind of sense of. You know, you don't, you don't touch the anointed one. You don't question the anointed one. And it's this domineering, uh, almost abusive authority over God's people. And I, I just want to acknowledge that that's, that's a problem. That abusive kind of overbearing leadership is a problem. So I want to be clear. The Bible never calls anyone to have blind obedience to anything except God himself. Right, It calls you to submit to the government, but only as the government is seeking to carry out that which is righteous. Only in the ways in which it's not demanding that you disobey God's word or, or forcing you to do something that God has said you ought not to do. Uh, wives should submit to their husbands, but only in the terms of when their husband is leading them into righteousness and not leading them into unrighteousness. Right? It's never blind obedience. And the same is true of the call that God is placing on us in verse 17. Obey your leaders and submit to them for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. So if they're not seeking to faithfully shepherd you and to watch over your souls as those who are going to have to give an account one day, then you should not obey them. You shouldn't submit to them. Instead, you should be seeking to remove them from their position of authority because they're in sin and rebellion to God and should not have the position they have. So I want to be clear. We must be as your elders held accountable. <clears> 1 <throat> Timothy chapter 5, verses 19 and 20 lays out a clear process. You should not accept an accusation against an elder, except on the authority of more than one witness, two witnesses, And if two witnesses agree that an elder is in sin, then that elder should be publicly, it says they should be publicly reproved. Publicly corrected. We are not above correction. God commands you as his people to hold us accountable. You have that obligation We are not above correction. We are not above accountability. Furthermore, this verse doesn't mean that the elders don't need the wisdom of God's people. It doesn't mean that we don't need your feedback. It doesn't mean that we don't need your ideas, your encouragement, your constructive criticism, your gentle correction, right? It doesn't mean that we're inaccessible, that we're beyond learning or growing. In fact, I pray that our heart is always one of saying, please come talk to us. Talk to us. Give us feedback. Let us hear from you. We want that. We invite that from you. So so I in no way am standing before you saying, obey us no matter what we say. That's not the spirit of this verse. What is clear is that the pastors to whom God's people should submit are those who are faithfully carrying out their God-given responsibilities. Because they are keeping watch over your souls, you ought to obey God and submit to them. But here's where it can get tricky and difficult. There will inevitably be times where the pastors of your church make a decision that you don't agree with. Let me say that clearly. There will be times where we're going to make decisions that you do not agree with. And there are even going to be decisions about really important things. I'm not talking about central doctrinal things like the resurrection of Jesus, right? Of course, do not. Like, that's not what I'm talking about. But really central important things. There are going to be things that we decide that you disagree with. And they're going to be really important things. And you, you may disagree and you may feel like, look, that decision is not what's best for the souls of God's people. So I'm not talking about paint colors. I'm talking about really important weighty decisions that you may disagree with. And you're going to feel like that is not what is best for the souls of God's people. I just straight up disagree with that decision. So what do you what do you do with that? Well, verse 17 says, obey your leaders and submit to them. And I, I say this often. I say it in marriage counseling. I say it to, in our starting point, new members class, because we're called to submit in all these different contexts. That the real test of submission does not happen until you disagree. None of us, me included, know what submission is until we disagree with the decision that has been made. That's when It's hard. That's when it's hard to submit. So so what does this look like? How does this play out when you might disagree with a really important decision that the elders may make? Well, first, you should go to the elders. You shouldn't go to other people. You shouldn't talk to other people. You should go to the elders. Talk directly to them. Bring your concerns. Tell them why you feel the decision is unwise. Tell them why you think it may not be best for the souls of God's people. Listen to them. Listen to their response. They may have uh, good reasons that that are convincing to you for why they made the decision they made. So go with the humble, teachable spirit. Let them know about the concerns you have. Pray about it. Pray about the conversation. Seek God's will. But even after doing that, in the end, though I think I can convince anyone of anything, right? (laughs) In the end there are gonna be times that you disagree, even after what I pray would be healthy conversations. So what then do you do? Well, in the end, if you still don't agree with the pastors, the hope is that you can at least trust them. That you can trust their motivation, trust that their heart is in the right place, And that they are doing what they think is best for the church and for you as God's people. And if you can trust them, and if you trust their heart, and you trust their motives, then God is calling you to submit to them as men who are trustworthy leaders. And in that moment, godly submission means that once your voice has been heard, once those what I pray would be healthy conversations have been had and the decision moves forward in an official way, submission means you don't grumble, you don't complain, you don't gossip about your dissent and your dissatisfaction with the decision. Submission means you do your best to honor and support the decision and direction of the elders and of the church as a whole And that's hard. It's hard, but it's why we need to cultivate an environment, a culture of trust. And I pray that we're doing that. And I pray that God will continue to bless us with that. Because here's the reality. If you only submit when you agree, then you are likely cutting yourself off from growing in some really important ways. You're cutting yourself off from a willingness to be convicted and challenged of how you may be thinking. You're cutting yourself off from being able to be shaped by the God-given spiritual authorities in your life that God has given as gifts to you to lead you and to keep watch over your souls. And so yes, God calls us to obey and to submit to our leaders. This is how God intended his church to be organized. He, his desire was that there would be a group of qualified men that would be set apart to keep watch over your souls that you then are called to trust, obey, and to submit to. And you're called to do so joyfully because, according to the end of verse 17, not only do you have an obligation to obey and submit to faithful pastors, you also need to work hard to be sure they're able to do it with with joy. So this brings us to our final truth about a healthy church. Number three, a healthy church requires joyful pastors. Look at the last uh, sentence of verse 17. Let them do this, (coughs) sorry, excuse me. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. What verse 17 is saying is that the way you relate to your elders Impacts their ability to lead with joy instead of groaning. The way you relate to your elders impacts their ability to lead with joy instead of groaning. And verse 17 makes clear that if they're leading with groaning or with some other translations say with grief, then that doesn't work to your advantage. It keeps them from being as effective at keeping watch over your souls. In other words, if they're leading with grief or drudgery or groaning, it's difficult for them to effectively keep watch over your souls as God has called them to. But on the other hand, if they're able to lead with joy, then they will be all the more effective at doing the very thing that God has called them to. I mean, at a very practical level, this just makes, it just makes sense, doesn't it? If someone's demeanor toward their pastors is to have an unteachable spirit, to be difficult, to be stubborn. If that's the spirit, then look, it's hard for a pastor to care for you. It's hard. You will bring them grief. And it will make them much less effective at caring for you and it won't just impact you, it will impact the entire body. So how do you let pastors leave with joy and not with groaning? Well, the way the ESV translates this verse doesn't make it quite as clear. The, the, the CSB, the Christian Standard Bible, actually makes it much more clear. The, that last sentence of verse 17 in the original language, which the CSB has, starts with, so that or in order that. In other words, verse 17 is saying, obey your leaders and submit to them so that they can keep watch over your souls with joy. So, so their ability to minister to you with joy is dependent upon your willingness to have an, a, a submissive spirit in the way you relate to them. And when you have that, they're able to lead with joy and to keep watch over your souls in the way that God has called them to. Because look, I will tell you right now, as a pastor, as one of your elders, nothing, nothing brings us greater joy than to hear about one of you growing in your faith in some significant way because you heeded some advice, some spiritual counsel that we gave you. You thanked us for it. You moved forward. You took action on it. Whether it's increasing your Bible reading time, asking us for a Bible reading plan and beginning to do it asking us how you can be more effective at memorizing scripture, asking us for book recommendations, whatever it may be, asking how we, you can be more effective in your personal prayer time. And we give you that advice, that spiritual uh, uh, counsel. And then you come back to us and say, it's made a world of difference in my life. I'm growing in ways I never had before. That, that makes our hearts erupt with joy. And you know what that makes me want to do? help you more, right? It makes you want to help everybody I can get to, right? This is joy. My heart's full of joy because you're growing in the Lord because you're listening and you're, you're heeding what God has called, how God has called us to care for you, right? So, so the joy that we can lead with exudes a, a better ability to care for your soul and for the souls of God's people. That's what it means when it says that you need to let your leaders lead with joy and not with groaning, because if they lead with groaning, it's not an advantage to you. But if you're going to endure faithfully, then let us lead with joy so that we can endure together to the end. You see, if we are going to endure, then we need leaders. We need faithful pastors who take seriously their obligation to keep watch over your souls. We need to acknowledge that faithful pastors who do this well are a precious gift from God. And if we're not doing it well, if we're not pursuing this, then then you should remove us. You should remove me as your pastor. If I'm not seeking to keep watch over your souls effectively as one who's going to have to give an account. And therefore, we should together strive to submit to the pastors and elders that God has placed over us And we should do everything in our power to be sure that they can lead with joy and not with groaning so that we can experience the full benefits of their God-given wisdom and their God-given direction over our lives. So just let me conclude with this on behalf of all the elders and straight from my heart. Thank you. Thank you for being the kind of people that have allowed us to lead you with joy. I do not take it for granted. We do not take it for granted. It is not like this in every church. Thank you. You allow us to lead you with joy and I pray therefore it is for the benefit of your souls. Thank you for the enormous trust, and confidence that you have placed in us. And so therefore, thank you for allowing us to challenge you and to push you toward Jesus for the sake of your faithful endurance. And then I just want to take a personal moment. Chris, Nathaniel, Floyd, thank you for pushing me toward Jesus. Thank you for your faithfulness to me as my pastors. Thank you for being men that are worthy to be followed for your humility, for your godly wisdom. And I pray for God's help to continually, joyfully submit to your wisdom and leadership and allow you to lead me and to direct me and for you to keep watch over my soul because I want every benefit I can gain from you all. So thank you for your faithfulness. And I commend these men to you all. They are men who are worthy for you to follow as they follow Christ. They are men who care deeply about your souls. And I pray that the same is true of me. Our desire, by God's grace, is to present each of you mature in Christ. Colossians 1 28 and 29. It's what our mission statement is based on. That's what we desire. And so my prayer is that the Lord would continue to sustain the culture of this church that is right now such a beautiful image of Hebrews thirteen seventeen, And I pray that he would do so for the glory of his name and for the eternal good of his people. Let's pray together. Father, we we thank you that you have spoken We thank you that you have told us what you expect from your church. We thank you for the church, for this institution that you have gifted us with. We thank you, Jesus, that you are are head of the church, that it belongs to you, that we are your body. And so, Father, we rest in Christ as our great shepherd. He is the one who has ultimate care for our souls. He is the one who is right now sitting at your right hand, interceding for us. We are thankful for our great shepherd, Jesus Christ. And Father, I pray for the elders of this church that you would help us to follow in his steps. I pray, Father, that you would help us feel the burden and the weight of what it means to keep watch over the souls of your people for us to feel the burden of weight of what it means to one day be held accountable before you for how well we did that and father i pray for your people father i pray that you would that you would give them submissive spirits not because i demand to be obeyed but because this is what you have called them to And so, Father, I pray that you would make us as elders trustworthy men. And I pray that you would help your people to trust us, to follow our lead, to submit to the authority that you have given us in this church. And I pray that it would create just a beautiful picture of mutual trust among your people, and that you would use that mutual trust for the good of your people as they submit to us, as we keep watch over their souls and that we would all grow in Christ together and that we would all do it with joy so that we could all fully benefit all the the goodness that you intend to pour out on us through the good gift of faithful elders in a local church. Father, in our sin, we will manipulate these things. So protect us, guard us, from sinful manipulation of verse 17 and help us to submit to your authority and to humbly pursue obedience to the truth of your word. We pray all this in Jesus' name, amen.